Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Sharp Lessons. Nate Jacobson, the professor. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And Nate, happy Labor Day to you. How was your weekend, man? It was a great weekend. College football is back. It was a reminder of why college football is one of my favorite sports to bet, but also one of the best regular season of sports. Nothing beats a full Saturday with games in four different time windows all day. And it's a great sport, I think, uh, when it comes to betting, because some of the the lines aren't as sharp as a sport like the NFL or in the NBA playoffs. So I think we had a very good Saturday, the two of us. Uh, the article did very oh, yeah. well on WatchStadium.com, highlighted by UCLA's outright win against LSU. And yesterday we were tracking all the line moves and chatting on the side about things and wanted to share some of the stuff today. Even though it's a holiday, sports betting market literally never sleeps. <laughs> Not like the stock market. This isn't a this isn't a nine to five Monday through Friday job. This is looking at your phone all the time, trying to get all the information you can. So I wanted to put something out on Labor Day for everyone. Maybe you're going to listen later tonight before your work week, but wanted to get our early thoughts on some of the bigger college football games for week two. Yeah, we're excited. We got the opening bell coming up. We'll talk about some of the biggest line movements. Um, but I, I'm just I'm just excited college football's back, Nate. I was watching all day on Saturday, and it was it was, it was like 75 degrees outside, but it felt like 65 just because there was football on. It felt a little cooler outside. I think I saw some leaves starting to change colors. <laughs> it was uh, it was a fun day. So I'm I'm excited to be doing this. I'm excited to be watching college football for you know the next four or five months. Um, but we do have a sweat of the week, and you were sweating this because yeah. you had this pick. Early on last week, you were eyeing this pick, and it was Arkansas and Rice. So what were you sweating? Yeah, so I bet Rice, like small, it wasn't a best bet, but I bet them plus 19 and a half. And also on, we went live on Saturday morning on the Stadium Bets Twitter page, and I mentioned some underdogs. And actually, that was an attractive underdog in, in Friday's uh, Friday show, and I said Rice in a potential look ahead against Arkansas. I guess we talked about Wednesday too. So we we talked about Rice we all talked three about days it a lot <laughs> on the on the podcast last week. I I threw them and I tweeted it out uh, soon after eleven o'clock central, but I, I did a money line parlay of Rice and Utah State that paid out sixty eight to one. And Rice took the lead, I believe it was around halftime. They were actually up ten points in the third quarter at Arkansas. Arkansas laying 19 and a half, maybe close 20. But then Arkansas ties the game up before the fourth quarter and scores 21 unanswered or 21 more <laughs> points in the fourth quarter alone, including the last touchdown with about a minute left when they could have just taken a knee and not covered the spread, just win by 14, get out of there, prepare for Texas, which really makes me think 
that, even though it was a bad beat for me, if you had Arkansas, sweat of the week, good job. I guess they covered not a, not, probably not the best bet, but it worked. You're going to get uh, ones go your way and uh, ones against you throughout the season. But it really makes me think that Arkansas's coach, Sam Pittman, and a few other coaches around the country know what the spread is before the game. They know they want to appease the cover. boosters who are paying their, uh, their salary. I think covering has become more important with the way sports betting is talked about throughout the country. I think it's it has to be a thing where coaching staffs definitely know what the spread is before the game. And if they're going to win and they're favorite, you might as well cover the spread, cover the number for the boosters, I guess. I don't know if that's actually a thing where boosters are betting a lot of money on their team, but maybe it is. That. And then if oh, there's an underdog, that. maybe there's an underdog, you're going to settle for like a late field goal instead of a touchdown just to get within the number. So I think more than ever, coaches know about the spread, and that was definitely an example uh, in that Rice-Arkansas game when Rice could have clearly, or Arkansas, pardon me, could have clearly taken a knee, just win by 14 points, get out of there. But they score 31 unanswered and cover the number against Rice, which, I mean, I, I was hoping they'd win outright for the, the money line parlay, especially because Utah State, the second leg of that hit uh, later that night, so that would have been a, a very nice start to the college football season. But at least I wanted Rice to cover the spread because I did have some money on them, plus 19 and a half. I would have loved to, to know if I, like the head coaches or or one of the, the assistants got on the comms and was like, hey, we're we're minus 19 and a half. We got to cover the spread here. Let's uh, let's go for the touchdown. Not me. Yep. I could because I can absolutely see that I could see some of these boosters betting on games, especially for some of these SEC schools. I, I think it Arkansas, absolutely Especially Arkansas. That. Arkansas seems like a, a school. A lot of degenerates just, there. Degenerates, but just like, I don't know. This is the type of booster you, you would think would like have money on the game, and, and they might be like part of the uh, the Walmart family or something. Uh, <laughs> I know that that they have some influence with Arkansas, the Waltons, uh, and just people who, I don't know, maybe like to sip a, sip a bourbon on a Saturday afternoon and watch their their uh, Razorbacks play and uh, the big game coming up against Texas. Speaking of another school with uh, with big time boosters who probably oh, care those, about covering those the number. Boosters are betting. And, yeah, they and we'll talk gambling. about that game. Yeah, so I mean, like Texas, Arkansas, just kind of that region of the country, Oklahoma, LSU, the Mississippi schools. Uh, I feel like they're they're in it to cover the spread now, um, and and they're well their coaches are well aware about the spread, which I don't know, maybe that's something to factor in. A handicap if you want to bet on like a big underdog being worried that a, a team might run up the score to make sure to put up style points so just something to think about looking forward but i would make that rice bet 10 times out of 10 i thought it was a solid bet i thought arkansas may have been looking ahead a flat spot coming off a a good season for arkansas standards these days uh but yeah that was a, a tough a tough sweat but after that the rest of the day was very good for us ben um and it was and us or me, um, and I started with those with those unders. Oh yeah, the unders were were huge, and so that was our sweat of the week. So let's go to the biggest takeaways, as you mentioned, the unders. So biggest takeaways from this weekend, which some of the things we think are kind of important to look at as we move into week two and start betting some of these week two games. There were a lot, a lot of unders, um, and I, I hit three of those unders for some of the best bets, and two out of the three hit. Um, and it was two of the bigger games of the weekend. It was the Alabama game that under hit against Miami. Um, and the uh, Clemson Georgia game really hit the under. I mean, that was, that was completely mishandicapped by, by people in Vegas. Well, it was a 51, I believe, 50, 51, and it came out at 13, yeah. 10 to yeah, 3. And, 
and early in the week there was some line move a uh, line movement towards the under I think it was like 50 at one point and then on game mm-hmm. day it got back up to 51 and a half so I'm not sure if that was just late public money thinking oh two premier programs we're gonna get points want to bet the over because it's more fun to root for the over but 10 to 3 maybe wasn't even uh I mean there was a lot of issues with the offenses and and especially Clemson's offensive line not being able to protect DJ against a but looks like a vaunted Georgia pass rush. But the one touchdown was a pick six, so zero yeah. offensive touchdown. So uh, I, I don't think that, that was uh, that was yeah, and kind of what we expect. I, not like to that extreme, but I we no. mentioned and you made the you made a best bet on the under. I just like the under, and I made the case saying big game wouldn't ex, would expect like a conservative start, and it was very conservative, and it stayed like that for sixty minutes, where neither team really wanted to make a mistake, and then when Clemson did make a mistake. It turned out to be uh, Georgia's real only offense through their defense. The unders, so the unders of fifty seven and thirty, I think, is what I counted yeah. up. And I'm and not, a, I'm not game. a math. No, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, the overhead, tonight. yes, yeah. So it was fifty seven yeah. and thirty one. Uh, and then obviously we have that game tonight because yesterday's Florida State Notre Dame game went over. Um, sadly, I think I took the first half under in that one and missed it by three points because of that late touchdown. Um, but it was, it was an under heavy weekend, Nate. And when I see something like that, when I see a lot of unders in week one, I immediately start thinking hitting the overs in week two. Um, but I think the fact, and you brought this up in our texting conversation about how it seemed like not only us, it seemed like a lot of people had a pretty good weekend for college football. And, and that seems to be the norm for week ones for NFL college football because the lines aren't 100% set for something like this. You, people don't really know what these teams are going to be showing week one, especially in college with a lot of the new players. So week two, I think the theme, Nate, should be tread carefully because especially with the over-unders, those are going to be those are going to be handicapped a little bit better, and then the spreads as well are going to be a lot more tighter. The markets are going to be a little bit better for those. So I would tread very carefully with some of these week two games. If you're feeling good after week one, don't go all out for week two. Kind of pull back and and reassess this board because it's going to be a little bit harder with these numbers come next weekend. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is this is really with any week two in sports, whether it's the second week of. The baseball season, second week of the NBA season, after a few teams have a few games under their belt, especially week two in the NFL, which is one of my favorite times to bet the NFL, is don't buy into the over some of the overreactions after 60 minutes. Look at some of these week two games, how you would have approached them if week one didn't happen, and then go back and try to see if some of the line moves were justified, whether it was an injury or just there was something about the game that really – it could actually happen throughout the season. It wasn't just an outlier performance. So I think that's kind of the key. Don't overreact to 60 minutes. Um, and maybe, maybe that's more of an NFL kind of philosophy because everyone's a professional and a lot of, you know, a lot of t- teams are able to bounce back, but same thing in college. Don't totally overreact to some of the stuff we saw uh, mostly on Saturday or just throughout the last few days. So yeah, yeah tread, well, that UTSA carefully. game, UTSA Illinois, that game's a perfect example. Illinois won week one. They look yeah. good against the or week zero, I guess. They look good against Nebraska. They started as uh, it was like minus six, minus six and a half. Got bet down to minus five, minus five and a half. A lot of people who I trust for sports gambling were saying you got to hit UTSA, and UTSA ended up winning, and they beat Illinois on the road. And I think I don't want to say Illinois is worse than that team, but I think the line projected kind of an overconfidence with Illinois being a better team than people thought. 
Yeah, so I think, yeah, this, this is a key takeaway. Don't overreact to week two. I know there was a lot of victory laps on Twitter about how oh, yeah. fix in weeks one. That means people probably have a lot more money. So just be cautious. And when it comes to comes to betting the unders, I could actually see the unders happening for a few more weeks. And then we're going to see if there is unders. I mean, take it a game-by-game basis. Don't blindly bet the over. But I, I'd say wait as long as possible. People have unders on their mind, and then maybe hit some overs week two, Saturday morning, when you can get the best number, as long as all the weather's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I think eventually uh, uh, the, the market corrects itself if it's off on something. So it's going to maybe lower some of the totals a few points, and there could be value on the over. Uh, maybe not this weekend, but I could see definitely after a few uh, – some teams have a few games under their belt, and their offenses can kind of get up to speed. All right, Pac-12 – North, Nate. One more lesson for last weekend. Just, just awful. Just, yeah. just bad. I feel bad for the Pac-12 at this point because they've been just such an easy punching bag. But they were bad. That Pac-12 North was bad. Yeah, I was thinking of maybe taking some shots at the ACC on today's show because you had Clemson lose, you had North Carolina lose, you had Miami lose, who are supposed to be three of the better teams in that conference. But I don't know. I don't think we can ignore how terrible the Pac-12 North was. One in five straight up. You had at the in the late night windows Washington and Washington State as nearly both of them nearly like three touchdown favorites losing outright at home. Washington losing to Montana, they're laying three touchdowns. They score seven points. I mean, that's that's truly truly embarrassing and kind of why we've seen the line movement be what it is in this Washington Michigan game uh, next Saturday. But then. You have Stanford in that early game in Arlington against Kansas State get absolutely blown out. Never, never uh, a question that they were the second best team. And then the one team that won, Oregon, they were losing in the fourth quarter of Fresno State. And they have that massive game against Ohio State this upcoming week. So now you're thinking, like, how can I trust a Pac-12, um, a Pac-12 team at all? And we, I wanted to specifically call out the North because UCLA came through with that for us. So. Don't want to call out all the whole Pac-12 oh, yeah. because shout out, they shout did out well. UCLA. They did well, yeah. Shout out to UCLA and even shout out USC, who were kind of in a dangerous spot, I think, against San Jose State, um, who's a solid Mountain West program, and they won in cover. So this, the LA Space Schools did fine, um, made a good name for the conference, but the Pac-12 North, really bad, one and five Pretty overall stinky. this weekend. Um, and and I think we we're going to talk about a few Pac-12 North teams right now uh, in this opening bell segment, and we'll start off with uh, with Oregon, who was the only team that ended up winning, even though it wasn't in convincing fashion at all. Yeah, take a look at the biggest line movement. Stock market may not be open today, Nate, but the <laughs> betting market is always open. Let's do the opening bell. Look at some of these biggest uh, line movers from uh, Sunday's openers for week two of college football. Oregon and Ohio State, what's been moving on that end, Nate, in Vegas? Yeah, so it actually has, from the Sunday opener, has stayed the same, Ohio State minus 14. But I think it's worth noting, before Thursday night, when Ohio State took the field against Minnesota and and a few days before Oregon played Fresno State, the look-ahead line in this game was Ohio State minus 11.5. So now we have a a 2.5-point line move. I think it's totally justified. Oregon looked bad against Fresno State. I know Ohio State might have some defensive concerns, especially how they defended against Minnesota. And a secondary. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that could be an issue down the line. And it might not be against Oregon. It might not be against a Big Ten offense. 
but it's definitely going to could be an issue in a college football playoff against an elite team. Um, so some concerns of Ohio State, but I think C.J. Stroud will look more comfortable at home. Uh, in a, it's an early start, too, which is another factor. Not, it's a noon start, East Coast time, Eastern time, 9 a.m. start for the, uh, the body clocks on Oregon. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take Oregon. Let's just say that. I, I try never to bet against Ohio State, respect Ryan Day a lot. And with that early start time, uh, definitely do not want to take Oregon. At the same time, though, you're kind of paying the top of the market for Ohio State, laying 14 when it was 11 and a half before they played against Minnesota in a game they didn't even cover the closing number. So I think it's more of a, an Oregon downgrade in this case, or certainly is, just because they were losing the fourth quarter to, to a Fresno State team and had trouble stopping that offense. Um, I know Kayvon Thibodeau, who's a potential uh, first overall pick in the draft, the star defensive player for Oregon, was in a walking boot. So that's going to be definitely a, a talking point and kind of something to monitor all week. As there's not too many big games in college football, but we'll definitely include this in a, in a bigger preview on Wednesday's show. But right now we're sitting Ohio State minus 14 on Monday morning, up a little bit from the look ahead and a lot of the game of the year numbers that a lot of sports books put out this summer. This might be a first half game bet for me eventually if that line goes below seven and a half because I really don't like that hook on on Ohio State right now but if for some reason if it goes to 14 and a half for the game and you know we maybe we see or 13 and a half excuse me we see Ohio State maybe plus or minus seven I might hit something like that because I do think that early start is rough that that is really rough especially when you're having to travel it's yeah I I don't imagine it's going to affect them for the entire game but a first half where Ohio State comes out hot at home um, they had a tough game on the road in Minnesota. I, I really kind of do like that first half for Ohio State, but hopefully it gets down uh, to minus seven. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Nate, you love that Pittsburgh early line, and it has already moved since Sunday. Yeah, I thought it was a kind of a puzzling opener. Open as low as Pickham out in Vegas. There's a, a sports book circa that's posting the opening lines about 11 a.m. Vegas time, so – Next week, we'll be watching the first hour of the NFL. Week one is uh, fully immersed in that. And then we're going to get the college football openers, which is always kind of like the most fun part of the day. I remember two years ago, that was always the highlight of a Sunday, watching the NFL, trying to think of maybe betting some first half or second half lines in the NFL. And then you get these college openers thrown at you. So always kind of fun, especially (laughs) if you're used to multitasking like I am. Uh, yeah. This bet, this game got quickly bet to Pittsburgh. It got up all the way to minus three and a half. It looks like it settled pit minus three at Tennessee. Um, I really like Pittsburgh in this game. I was thinking of giving it out as a best bet if it was under a field goal. Maybe going to wait a little bit later in the week and see if it ends up there. But I just really want to fade Tennessee, who really struggled yes. in that first half against Bowling Green, who I'm not exaggerating. Maybe New Mexico State or UConn is worse, but they are probably the worst team in FBS if you take out those two teams. So, the one of the worst, literally one of the worst teams in college yes. football, and Joe Milton, Michigan transfer, did not look too impressive against that Bowling Green team at home. I know they're at home in this game. I don't think Milton's the answer for Tennessee at that quarterback position. First year coach Josh Heupel. It's pit or pass for me. I'm gonna try to bet Pittsburgh at the best number available later this week. It's not a best bet yet, but it could definitely make its way as a best bet if we can get a two and a half or better. I am more than happy, Nate, to ride the fade Tennessee train with you because especially this is this goes back like two years for me where I was trying to bet on Tennessee a bit 
and they just never came through. They just, it wasn't even they just lost games. They, like, embarrassed themselves losing some of these games, throwing interceptions, fumbles, turnovers, everything. The defense looked bad. They just are, they're a bad team. And, and there's a reason they've gone through so many coaching changes recently. Um, I, I'm all in on, on fading Tennessee and, I'm with you here. If that line gets below three, maybe we see some late money on Tennessee. Maybe those Tennessee boosters feeling a little degenerate, <laughs> betting some Tennessee spreads. Um, I, I might go on that, that Pittsburgh train with you uh, for week two. Uh, Cyhawk game, Iowa State at Iowa. Two teams that uh, looked, looked pretty good, but I think they could look a lot better from week one. Um, I, I will say Indiana did not look great in their yeah. game against Iowa, and I think – just from watching that as an Indiana fan, I think that was more Indiana playing terribly than it was Iowa playing well. And I know Iowa, I think they only scored about 17 points on Indiana's defense and the rest were pick sixes and some field goals. Iowa State against Northern Iowa didn't look great and they were at home. Um, and this was a team that's supposed to be top 10, maybe even top five at some point. And they didn't look great. It came down to the wire um, in Ames. So we see the opening line. Um, it was as high as Iowa State minus six. Now it's Iowa State minus four, and it was starting to get bet down to Iowa. It was Iowa State minus three and a half, and then it got started back to Iowa State. So this line, Nate, has really moved a lot. Yeah, so the Iowa State minus six was last week before anything from week one. And I actually think as we got closer to week one, Iowa was taking some money on the look-aheads because it, it looks like based on I, I was tracking some of the line move, and it looks like Iowa was down to four which is what the number is right now. My thing in this game is, I don't know, Iowa State almost lost at home to Northern Iowa, an FCS team. I know it's one of the better FCS teams, but they still closed as a four-touchdown favorite after opening 35. So money was coming in on Northern Iowa all Saturday morning uh, Mm because I think most of the lines were um, for a game FBS, FCS. Usually, for the most part, widely available doesn't open until like the day of the game. Uh, Iowa State looked very unimpressive. Iowa looked great, but as you mentioned, they did have two pick sixes in the first half, which kind of put the game away for Iowa. So now you're kind of like betting. I don't want to like bet on Iowa against their best perform after their best performance. You're not getting the best value. But at the same time, Iowa has won the last five games in this series, always have beat Matt Campbell. The last time Iowa State won the Cyhawk game in Ames was 10 years ago. So I think just the mentality and the pressure is all or the mentality edges for Iowa. The pressure is on Iowa State, who has high expectations this year. And now that we're back to Iowa State minus four after I re- I actually thought when it was at three and a half, it would go down to a field goal or less. I thought now so, that we're too. At Iowa State minus four. Yeah, I was surprised right before we recorded that show. Some money came in on Iowa State to, to shape it up to minus four, which is actually kind of what the look ahead was that, uh, last week. So I, I would definitely look to Iowa plus four in this game. In a game especially that's going to be low scoring. I just I know that you might be taking Iowa at, at its peak because they look so good against Indiana. But just yeah. the past history of this series, even though it's different players, and the fact that Iowa State might be a little bit overvalued in general this season because there was so much hype with Matt Campbell, Brock Purdy, and a lot of returning players, that uh, Iowa would be the only way I look in this game it's in Ames um but I I Mm -hmm. I mean it's going to be a probably a a split crowd I'd imagine so I I like Iowa um maybe later in the week that could be a best bet candidate 
or at least uh, a game I bet on. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, with, with this line. But I'm a little bit surprised on a Monday morning it's ticked up back towards Iowa State. Yeah, I, I think this is, depending on where this line ends up by Friday, I, I think this is going to be a stay-away game for me. I just, neither of these teams I really trust, and I wasn't really that impressed with Iowa when they played Indiana. I just think Indiana looked really bad. Um, oh. And with Iowa State, they didn't look that impressive against Northern Iowa. Even playing at home, opening game, you know, I, I thought they would be hyped and they'd be ready to go. You're supposed to have one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best running backs in the country, and none of that looked very good. So I, I for me, this is going to be a stay away unless that line changes by Friday or Nate, you can make a, a really good case for Iowa by Friday. I'm ready to jump on with them. Um, but I, I don't think I would hit Iowa state uh, as well for this game. NC state, Mississippi state open as a pick them in Vegas. Now Mississippi state, out uh, of Mississippi state minus one. And now NC state has moved to the favorite at minus two and yeah. a half. Yeah. So the reason why it's moved so much is Based on what happened in week one between those teams as NC State on the road will be a, is currently a two and a half point favorite yeah. as we record late Monday morning. And it's really comes down to what happened with the results. NC State wins 45 nothing against USF on Thursday night. Mississippi State beat Louisiana Tech by one point as a 20 and a half point favorite, but they were down by 20 points in the fourth quarter and came back. So, or the Mississippi State beat Louisiana Tech. I don't know if I said Louisiana State or, or Louisiana or whatever. There's but too it many. Was just, yeah, it was just an unimpressive performance by Mississippi State, barely beating Louisiana Tech. NC State looking amazing against USF, who's not a good team. But now it's kind of the, the battle of do you want to react? How do you react to those results, I guess? Do you believe that? Mississippi State could be very bad, and that was, or was that just like a bad outlier performance? And or is NC and or as NC State going to maybe be a surprise team in the ACC? Um, a game I'll definitely want to look more into. I know I saw a lot of people tweeting out how they liked NC State on the the early line in that game. I could see this game getting up to three, maybe more, just because of Mississippi State probably should have lost to Louisiana Tech. So. Kind of a big line move for a game that I didn't really have too much interest in going into uh, maybe yesterday when I was looking at some of the big games. But I could definitely see more money coming in on NC State because they look so good. And Mississippi State, more importantly, looked very bad against Louisiana Tech and were lucky to even win that game. Yeah, I'm leaning a little NC State here. And, and we'll do a little bit more on Wednesday with our leans for the weekend. But I, I do kind of like NC State for this spot. Texas at Arkansas. And I think this game... Nate is going to be one of the more interesting games of yes. the weekend. And it's not really the, the huge premier game of the weekend. It's, it's, you know, you're not getting that treatment of the big special game. And it's at 6 p.m. It's going to be prime time at Arkansas, Texas, though, right now, minus six. And the line opened up last week. It was Texas minus three and a half. And so people are loving the Texas Longhorns against Arkansas right now. Well, yeah, I think it's more just the bookmakers respecting Texas after their 20-point win against Louisiana, taking care of business against a, a trendy underdog or attractive underdog that Louisiana was, and a game that for a lot of the summer, people were making cases about betting Louisiana and also betting them from plus 14 to plus 8. I think it got up a little bit on game day, but Texas time took care of business, did what they were supposed to do, and then Arkansas even though they did end up winning and covering, they were still losing in the third quarter to Rice and, and only covered because, as we mentioned, 
probably uh, Sam Pittman, maybe just getting texts from the boosters reminding him what the spread was um, <laughs> on Saturday afternoon. Absolutely. So I think this is this is more like uh, this. The book the books are adjusting to what they saw Saturday. I think it's definitely a warranted line move. Now Arkansas, I think maybe becomes interesting because. I was thinking that Arkansas was going to be looking ahead of this game, and not that's why they wouldn't play well. So now that they got that win, um, and now they can fully focus on this game, and it's a it's a pretty tough test for Texas, honestly. Steve Sarkeesian, first year, and having to play at Arkansas, and what I imagine will probably be one of the better home crowds, uh, Saturday night, 6 o'clock start. Probably one of the bigger games in, for Arkansas, um, in recent memory, and it's a non-conference game too, so a huge game just in general for the Arkansas program when it comes to recruiting and just kind of building that brand back up. So at plus six, I'd have to consider Arkansas. Even though I'm not an Arkansas believer this year, I think catching that many points at home against a, a Texas team that has a little bit of question marks to them. It's not your established Texas team like we've used to. We've sometimes are used to seeing so. Arkansas would be the early lean for me. Wonder if it goes up a little bit. But the home dog is probably the only way I could look in this game, even though I'm not a huge fan of the Razorbacks in general. I really hope we see some Texas fans put some money on the Longhorns and that line can maybe move up just a little bit. Hopefully reaches to seven, because if it gets to seven, Nate, that's yeah. going to be the best bet for me. It's going to be Arkansas that, plus seven. I don't that's know if kind that's of what I'm happen. holding out for. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of holding out for. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think if it ever did get to seven, it would last like 15 seconds, and someone yeah. who has a quick trigger finger would be backing Arkansas on the other side. So uh, definitely a game I'll be interested to talk about, and something we'll probably talk about later in the week on Friday, uh, just because it seems like we have kind of a, an early opinion on it. Uh, Final game we want to look at for the opening bell, Washington at Michigan. And this was a game I texted you on Sunday, seeing that opening line, Michigan minus four. And I loved it. And I I, I hate being high on Michigan. It goes against right. everything that I know to be smart and logical. Just do not be high on Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines because they will break your heart. They will lose in a stupid way. And not only will they lose, Nate, they will lose in a stupid way that just makes you shake your head thinking, why did I even have any trust in this team? But I hit that early line, minus four and a half is what I got that Michigan game at. I think it I think it opened way too low, and it's already been bet up to minus six. Um, I think that line's going to probably go even higher as the week goes on. It might. I thought it was going to get to minus six by the end of the week, but now that it is only minus six on Monday, I think that's going to go up to minus six and a half, minus seven, maybe by Thursday or Friday. Um, and we did get the news today that Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver for Michigan, out for the year, which is a pretty big blow, not going to lie, for that Michigan offense. Um, but the line really hasn't moved a ton with that news. So I still like Michigan. Um, and over doing a best bets on Monday, it's early. I, I think I might have to say Michigan uh, minus four. Unfortunately, that's not the number available right now. So we're going to start tweeting out our early picks from Stadium Bets on Sunday if we have any. But I still I, I do like Michigan to win this game, um, and I think they cover that four and a half if they if they do. Yeah. So now you have to get yeah at six right now. So my my worry is this year I kind of paying the premium uh, on a Jim Harbaugh yeah. team, which as you said, there's definitely some trust issues there uh, with, with Jim and so and, and Michigan. But yeah, I think it's just really about I think your bet's more just fading Washington, who looked horrible yeah. against Montana. And I know you don't want to overreact to. 60 minutes, but when you score seven points against an FCS team, I mean, at home, 
you have to That's kind of bad. and and there was I think there was some concerns with Washington in general this season in terms of their offense. They have a defensive minded head coach in Jimmy Lake. It's not Chris Peterson anymore who did a great job at Washington in general. So I think it might be a, a little bit of a worry in general that like Washington is going to take a few steps back. And whenever a Pac-12 team has to go on the road, it seems like in a big game, it never works out well. Now that it's at six, I couldn't touch it, especially with Ronnie Bell out for the year. It's not like Michigan is is uh, loaded anymore at skill position like some past teams. Oh, they've had a good amount of players transfer out. So I, I agree that, I mean, good job getting the early number with Michigan and being ahead of it. It's good to bet early, especially before the lines start to move. But at this point, it's a stay away from me. Um, and the, I think the big story here is the look at line before Saturday was Michigan minus one. And I thought maybe if Washington played well and there would be a chance on Saturday, they would have ended up being a road favorite in this game just because the stock on Michigan is low. But after losing that game, uh, it's a truly a justified five point move um, as we sit here on Monday morning. Yeah. So that that's probably going to be one of my plays. Um, but Wednesday, Nate, for our Wednesday show, we are going yes. to be talking NFL. We're very excited. We finally yes. are going to be looking at some NFL week one lines and moves and leans. And we're going to give our leans on Wednesday. Those aren't our picks. They're just the leans, games we're looking at, maybe starting to creep on, put some money on there. So that'll be exciting. Very, very much looking forward to some of these NFL picks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've, we've been looking at the lines for the for the NFL week one since I believe it was May 12th when the schedule was released. So. <laughs> yes. It's finally going to be good to talk about or seeing kind of the results play out in some of these games. I think it's another situation with with college football where we were a little bit cautious week one because the lines have been out for so long. Same thing with the NFL, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities to uh, see if the overreactions are warranted in week two. But because it's not the best college slate this year, this week, we'll have a lot of big game previews on the NFL, which is a, a really loaded week one card. And even if you're not a better from a neutral perspective, a lot of fun NFL games throughout the weekend and starting with Thursday night, Cowboys, Buccaneers. We'll be giving out uh, listener picks. Also, we'll be tweeting out. Give us to uh, to respond with your best bet for the weekend. And we'll read out those uh, listener best bets on Friday for picks Friday. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll just have picks from us. We'll have picks from listeners. It'll be a whole lot of fun on Friday for NFL and college football. But for now, we'll sign off. We'll have an episode on Wednesday, and we'll see you all then.